Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Through storytelling, conversational interviews, and Carrie's natural curiosity, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of entrepreneurs, athletes, medical professionals, politicians, and other successful people, all sharing their stories of success and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. My guest today is Mr. Trey Reed, Assistant Chief of Communications for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, editor of Tail Fly Fishing Magazine and Strung Sporting Journal, and host of the Wild Side radio show on 103.7 The Buzz. Trey started his professional career as a sports writer at the Pine Bluff Commercial Newspaper and later became the sports editor of said newspaper before moving to a bigger forum when he joined the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. But that's not all. It was in 2005 when Trey's career took a turn from field sports to fishing sports, and he joined ESPN's Bass Center as a field reporter. Two of his more interesting episodes were fishing in New Orleans post-Hurricane Katrina, and the other, bass fishing in New York City's Central Park. Yes, Trey is fantastic on camera. He's nice looking. He's likable, knowledgeable, as you'll soon see. But his first love is writing, which he discovered while attending the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table a man's man, a writer, and the assistant chief of communications for the Game and Fish Commission, Mr. Trey Reed. Hey, Gary. Great. How are y'all? We're good. So... You and I met in 2018. I know. I can't believe it's been that long since we did this before. Before we get into some of the nuts and bolts of deer hunting, where the fish are spawning, some of the rules of the game and fish, you recently, what I got, what I learned is you got a grand slam in Cuba. I did. Tell our uh, listeners what that is. Well, a grand slam. So the, the type of fishing that I did down there, uh, it's, it's all fly fishing. Uh, it's saltwater fly fishing. When you talk about that, most people think blue water, deep sea off the boat. Well, this is not. Most of the water is, you know, I'm in knee deep, maybe waist deep water most of the time. Now, you are in a boat, but a a small skiff. So it's shallow water. It's all sight fishing. I'm looking at essentially every fish I cast to. Because the water is blue. The water is brilliantly clear. I mean, it it is gin clear. And, and, you know, we're, we're fishing for bonefish. Permit and tarpon; those are kind of the big three of of saltwater flats, uh, fly fishing or saltwater flats fishing of any type. But but primarily, it's fly fishing. And so, a grand slam is catching each of those three species in one day. And the bonefish usually aren't a problem. The tarpon are a little harder. The one that's difficult is the permit. It uh, looks like a pompano. It's a big flat fish, silver. They're, they're, they're huge. You know, they, they're, they're big and round oval shaped. Uh, And they will eat a live crab all day long. But when you are throwing feathered or furry steel after them, it's (laughs) a little bit different deal. So do do all three of those fish, Use the same bait? They, well, no, no, so no. You different. To, so when you caught I, one, you change you bait. change flies and throw something else at, at at those. Now sometimes the bonefish and the permit will eat some of the same flies, but no, they, they were all caught on different flies, just all in the same day. And I have probably since we last did this show together, I have become quite enamored with saltwater fly fishing. And the permit is it's like it's like the holy grail of that type of fishing. And of course, I couldn't just like the bonefish or the tarpon, which are thrilling and they jump the the tarpon jump the permit there. But I think it's the challenge and the difficulty of it that that has attracted me to it. So I have gone nuts about that. And uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I I got a grand slam in Cuba and I was also fishing with a guy who is 93 years old who is just just a fascinating character his name is Stu apt he's a he's a hall of famer in the international game fish association hall of fame he's set more than 45 world records a couple of which he said in the early 60s that are still records on the fly rod uh he was also a navy fighter pilot in the during the korean war uh flew for pan am for 35 years did he fly you to cuba 
He did not. He does not. He's not allowed to fly Thank anymore. Goodness. <laughs> but I'll tell say. you, Carrie, what was really cool. We flew into Camagüey and he was telling stories about flying there in the 1950s when it was a grass airstrip, when he was flying cargo for Pan Am. This guy, he, I, I, I mean, you, you, he's just fascinating. He drank mojitos with Ernest Hemingway on the Pilar <gasps> in pre-revolutionary Cuba oh. in the late 50s. So how how's that for cool? How romantic is <laughs> yeah. that? I was about to say, yeah. Out of the storybook. Yeah. So what a guy to, I mean, just you, listening to his stories for, yeah, for you, you know, the you week and, and I had a very different experience in Cuba. When yeah. you say, Gray and I yes. went to Cuba, when that little tiny episode, when uh, Obama opened it up and we were having open relations and we ran, we flew down there as fast as we could. And we rode horses in the back country and smoked cigars. Oh, nice. You're out on the water fishing. He's probably had a healthier experience than yeah, we. probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There was a lot of Havana Club rum involved still. Oh, so maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, you wrote, the Game and Fish Commission conserves the state's fish and wildlife while providing opportunities for hunters, anglers, and others who enjoy outdoor recreation. My job with the agency is to work with the public and media to tell the agency's story. So what story are you telling right now? Well, I, I think there's a lot of different stories we're telling, and that's probably the most challenging thing uh, uh, about my job is it's like, it, but it's also a great thing about it. Like no two days are the same. Every every day is a, a little bit different. I think the story, you know, telling a lot of stories about Lake Conway right now, uh, that is. The, yeah. What's going on with Lake Conway? Well, that's in, that's next episode, but let's go ahead and well, get there well, now. We pulled the plug on Lake Conway. What uh, does that mean? We are draining the lake completely. It's 75 years old. The The dam that, that creates the lake had outlived its its life expectancy. And so we were going to have to replace the dam anyway. And so we're thinking, well, let's just hit reset on the lake. Lakes, when, when man-made lakes I'm talking about here, um, everything from Washita and Hamilton and Greer's Ferry and Beaver, all those man-made lakes to smaller game and fish lakes. Conway's a large game and fish lake at almost 7,000 acres, but we've got them from 300 to 800, 1,500 acres. Lakes are great for the first 15 or 20 years. And then they start to lose fertility. The the all the the trees that were there that they decay, and and that's not a bad thing. That puts nutrients into the system, but eventually all that stuff kind of goes away. There's no more nutrients to leach out of those trees that you are. You talking in there about the trees like, that are at the bottom of the lake? Yeah, or or the ones that were left standing when the lake was flooded, or or, or whatever uh, the, all the vegetation. So. We have been forced, and again, Conway's kind of a similar situation, but over the past 10 years, we've done a couple of major lake renovations, one at White Oak Lake in, in southern Arkansas, not far from Camden, and another one at Lake Poinsett up on the on the ridge uh, near um, uh, Harrisburg. And each of those projects, like we had issues like the water control structures, and we, we had infrastructure we had to fix, but when we drained the lake... We go in and we do fish habitat work and we put, you know, uh, pallets and old Christmas trees or, yeah. you know, uh, plastic uh, uh, like from road construction, the barrels, you know, the, all those kind of things. We put them in the lake. And so when you reflood the lake, it's like you've got a brand new lake again. And so the fishing just explodes and it takes off. And so we're thinking, okay, we've got to we, we, we've got to replace the dam at Lake Conway. Let's just hit reset on this lake. It was built in the late forties, uh, so yeah, forty eight, so seventy five years ago. Conway was like it was hardly anything. It's Cowtown, and and now you know it's a it's a huge city. It's I mean, not in Mayflower, and you've got Valonia, and you've got so all that uh, all that silt that used to kind of get trapped in the grass and the trees and things. Now it runs over concrete. And so it much oh. quicker, it gets in the lake. So we've lost up to 40% of the volume of the lake over the last 75 years. And if you, you, there's places where the lake ought to be five feet deep, but it's a foot and a half of water and three and a half of silt and mud. And so five years, we're going to leave the lake drained. For five years? Five years. What does the residents think about that? Some of them, and I would say likely most of them, seem to understand uh, there are some, you know, we had public meetings before we did this. And there's some, you know, there's some people like, hey, I'm 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 in my 70s. I bought a place on the lake to Aww. live out my golden years. And, and now you're going to drain it. And, you know, th there's no 
there's somebody's always going to yeah. lose out on an opportunity when you do something like this. But it's our job at the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission to manage those resources, not just for the next five years, but for the next 50 years. So for what's going to happen years. over the next five years? Trees are going to grow. I mean, the silt's not going to go away. The silt will go away, believe it or not. Where it will, will it go? It, it will compact. I mean, just oh. the heat of the sun and not having water on it that we're going to get soil compaction. And there's been a lot of studies done on this. Uh, but yes, that's why we have to leave it leave it dry for five years because that those, those, you know, it's just loose silt now, but it's going to compact. You're going to get bushes, trees, and things like that grow up. We're going to do a lot of other stuff, infrastructure, boat, uh, boat, uh, boat ramps, uh, replaced, repaired, made wider, uh, parking areas. Uh, people who live around the lake can do a lot of stuff with their uh, boat houses and docks while oh, we're yeah. doing got they, this they, down. Yeah, they can do uh, some repair. We're going to create bank uh, fishing areas that are, that are more user friendly uh, and we're going to I think it's something like 3,500 fish habitat structures we're going to put in the lake it's like one for every two acres basically so when they're figuring out what they're going to do with these lakes are they just are we just learning as we go as we may have manage I'll, all these man-made uh, lakes over uh, the last 75 years yes okay. I mean that to the short answer to your question yes yeah. I mean you know these lakes are built and we just know that like especially like if you look at those big lakes like Greer's Ferry and Bull Shoals and Washita mm-hmm. I mean the when they were built in the 50s and 60s the fishing was phenomenal mm-hmm. well it's you know Game and Fish keeps tabs on the fish obviously every year and multiple times a year and so and you know anglers tell you we know that the fishing in those lakes isn't what it used to yeah. be right mm-hmm. and so you know as we've studied over the years we figure out well Number one, especially those big lakes in Arkansas, they're built on rocky soils. Mm-hmm. They weren't very fertile to in begin mountains. with. I yeah. mean, that's why we grow all of our food over in the Delta, where we've got the rich Mississippi alluvial soils. And you don't see a lot of people growing cotton and soybeans in the Washita's and Ozarks because the soil, it's just it's just not fertile. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes, I mean, we kind of learn a- as we go. So and, I got this most important question. OK. Did you find any dead bodies? <laughs> Not yet. And we hope we don't. How about cars? Uh, you know, there, there's still some water in the lake. I mean, we 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 initiated the process September one uh, and we only opened one gate because we didn't want to flood downstream because you got about seven miles of Palarm Creek from the dam down to where it hits the Arkansas River. We also have Bell Slough Wildlife Management Area there and we don't want to put water on our forest when the trees you can do that when they're dormant in the winter time that's how we get our flooded green timber duck hunting in arkansas so we were very slow to let the water out now november 15th we opened up all the rest of the operational gates and so it's really coming out of there now uh because it doesn't matter if it gets on those trees at this point but there's still some water in the lake uh will it will probably be next spring before we really spend a lot of time down in the lake bed like working on the fish habitat structure and you find dead the, bodies oh we got to no, send an investigative reporter out we there we had um Brady Mountain what's his name uh the guy who owns Brady Bill, Mountain Bill 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 Barnes Bill Barnes, Bill Barnes yeah. 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 yeah uh talking about all the old towns and stuff that are under Lake Washita yeah. is Lake Conway like that no nah, it was always kind of uh it was sh- it's shallow it's a very shallow lake. Yeah, I mean, the average really, depth is about five feet. Yeah. So hopefully we don't run into any of those, uh, you know, like Lake Mead as it got dry out west. And, you know, all the mobsters in Vegas oh, are yeah. finding people in, in, in cans I and things like did. that out there. Interesting. I like that Here, story. No, 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 no. We, okay. that, that makes my job harder. <laughs> I have to go talk to the media about that. Oh, that's your job. <laughs> so so before we go to break, um, $250,000 in licenses are sold a year about. Oh, well, way more than that. We oh. have we sell about 270,000, 280,000 hunting licenses and then another 500,000 plus. Now, our license revenue, gosh, don't put me on the spot. I didn't look that up, but I want to say it's somewhere around 15 to 20 million dollars a year. So you said when we I, I listened to the show, like I said, and you said a third of the money comes from licenses. A third, yeah, a third, of, your, of, a third of our game and fish budget comes from licenses. It's actually probably a little less than a third. now. And you know what I thought? And then you said a third from U.S. grant money, excise tax on for federal programs. And then the one that I thought was really interesting is one eighth cent sales tax for conservation in Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, so that was approved by voters in uh, the general election in 1996, and uh, it's the uh, conservation sales tax, one-eighth of one percent, and 
Game and Fish gets 45% of that. State Parks gets 45%. Uh, Heritage gets 9%, which, of course, Heritage is technically part of Parks now. And then the Keep Arkansas Beautiful Commission gets 1% of that. So it's split between a number of state agencies. We get slightly less and than it's half a, of it's it. And it's unique. Not very many states have a sales no, tax No, Missouri has had one since the 70s. Uh, and, and then Arkansas, there may be one or two others now. But no, there are not many states. And I, I think that's a testament to the yeah. what the outdoors means to people in Arkansas. I, I mean, it, it is, you know, it, even if you don't hunt and fish, a lot of people enjoy the outdoors, whether that's paddling sports, canoeing, kayaking, you know, bird watching, hiking, going out to Pinnacle Mountain and, and hiking or uh, Rattlesnake Ridge uh, that the Nature Conservancy has across the road there. I mean, people just love the outdoors. And, you know, it was it was close. I mean, it was like a, you know, 50.3 to 49.7 breakdown on the vote back then. But uh, did I, I not tell you he's crazy with numbers and names say, yeah. and stuff? <laughs> it's Isn't pretty it? specific. It's very specific. Uh-huh. All right. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back. We'll continue our conversation with Mr. Trey Reed from the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. Still to come. Conservation, cultivation. Water shortages, fishing spots, duck hunting, quail hunting, deer hunting, and an update on the dreaded wasting disease and his favorite outdoor recreation by seasons. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge. In 1995, she embraced the internet and rebranded her company as simply flagandbanner.com. In 2004, she became an early blogger. Since then, she has founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, began publishing her magazine, Brave, and in 2016, branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcast. In 2020, Carrie McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American-made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years, and in 2021, opened a satellite office in Miami, Florida, telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags, the flagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. We're speaking today with Mr. Trey Reed, Assistant Chief of Communications for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission and host of the Wild Side Radio Show on 103.7 The Buzz. This show talks about fishing <laughs> so much. So let's talk about fishing in Arkansas. What should we be fishing for right now? This is December. Right. This you is know, December. We're very lucky in Arkansas that we don't have a fishing season. Some states do. You know, you there's an opening day, just like there's an opening day for, for hunting. But, uh, you know, with with our temperate climate, I guess we could say, you know, we don't, the lake, the, the, the water doesn't get hard around here. Right. So right. it doesn't turn to ice like it does in Minnesota oh, or whatever. I see what you mean. Yeah. But so, so you can really fish year round. Now, if, if I'm going out in December, probably the first place I would head would be to the little red river up at uh, Heber Springs uh, because it is the spawning season for brown trout. And so they're moving onto the shallow, uh, the the shoals and uh, riffles to make their spawning beds. And so they're just, you can sight fish for them. You can see them in the shallow water. You can uh, catch them in some of the deeper holes. So that's probably what I would go do if I was going to do something right now. Now, I'll tell you this too. Okay. The crappie fishing is on fire. And those are good to eat. Oh, they're so good to eat. Crappie are pretty ubiquitous in Arkansas. I mean, the Arkansas River, Mississippi River, all of our lakes. Yeah, and, crappie and those are, are native Because those are native. They're, yeah, we, we have two species, the black crappie and the white crappie. I don't, this may be really hard for you to answer, but what is your favorite fish to fish for? Oh, that's not, that's not hard to answer. Here in Arkansas, it'd be the smallmouth bass. Why? Uh, it's our native fish. I think it's emblematic of... The place it lives, they're they're in the Ozarks and Washita's. Uh, I think they're you know they're they're tough. They pull. They're strong. They're fighters. They're spunky. They're they live in beautiful places. Uh, Streams. Yeah, the stream smallmouth. That's what I like to do. I like to go. I mean, you know, from say April through you know the heat of the summer and and on into the fall, go wade up to my you know thighs in a in a creek and and uh and catch smallmouth i just there's nothing like it do you eat them i do not you don't eat them do i you? do not okay. it takes them so long to 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 
again, I was talking about persisting against the odds. It takes them so long to, they, we have very slow growth rates of smallmouth in Arkansas. And, uh, it, to me, it would be a shame to to, to take that fish out. There's how so long, many other. How long can a fish live? Oh, I mean, 15, 20 years, and probably you know would be an old smallmouth. I'm not saying that they. That's not like average. I mean, so my know, goldfish could live to be 15 years old. I don't know about a goldfish. So what about how, a, it depends on how good a care you go, take. Look, Gray's it. going. Yeah, yeah, it can. <laughs> Domestic fish I know about. Yeah, they can live for like fifty plus years in captivity. 50? In captivity. Yeah. Well, we have alligator gar, which is a you know Those it, live it, forever, it, it is right? our official state primitive fish. You remember there was like a little dust up at the legislature a few years ago. No. About, it was a there was a young Arkansan who was lobbying the legislature to make the alligator gar the official state fish. I mean, and it was like of all the things to fight about, sure. they couldn't, they couldn't, they, they, they fought about this because, you know, catfish again, aquaculture sure, is yeah. big. I mean, so people, well, should we it be the catfish or should it be the smallmouth bass? Or should it be the largemouth bass, which is the one that most anglers seek? It's the most popular fish in Arkansas. But anyway, so they came up with this designation. The alligator gar is the primitive state fish. And, but yeah, they, they live to be 70, 80 yeah. plus years. So because you love stream fishing for small mouth bass, you and I may have the same opinion about this. What do you think about our governor's push to increase tourism? You're going to kind of put me on the spot uh, here. No, because you uh, work like for the, the state. Of, yeah. I do work for the state of Arkansas. He works for the state of Arkansas. I think that I, I, I think that, you know, I said it off the top. We're. Arcan the outdoors is part of our culture in Arkansas. I think we'd be foolish not to uh, promote our our outdoor heritage, our you know what what we have. I mean, you know, because if you look at it, we've got we've got agriculture, and I'm I'm lumping forestry into that, and you know we have some manufacturing. Uh, actually, it's a really pretty a, a hotbed for both boats and uh, firearms and ammunition manufacturing, which fits right into our outdoor lifestyle, right? My only qualms about the promotion of it is like, and this is a conundrum that it's a paradox that I have dealt with my entire professional career because all I have done since about 1999-2000 is write or broadcast or whatever about the great outdoors. And it's like, what's the happy medium what's the balance between it's it's my and it's still my job at arkansas game and fish is to promote the opportunities that are out there but then you have you know this other contingent it's like there's already too many people doing it quit talking about it i don't want you to that's I, the way i feel i don't want people coming and trashing my lakes you know i mean I, I, it's been i don't go to the buffalo river anymore you brought you you brought it up. I'm glad you did because I was going to, but now I can blame you. Uh, but you know the whole thing about uh, this this look at uh, making the Buffalo River a, uh, a, a a national park and preserve. And what does that mean? And one of the things that's been cited is, well, it'll bring in more visitors. Again, it, it's that it's that that balancing act, that fine line that we're walking with. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I got no problem. I, I've been an ambassador for Arkansas when I worked for ESPN. I mean, I always felt like the Arkansas traveler. I mean, I was going out and it's like, y'all ought to come to Arkansas. It's great, you know. <laughs> but I also told people it's one of the best kept secrets in the country. And I maybe don't mind if it stays a little bit of a secret. That's right? the way I feel. Exactly. Uh, one of the things I talk often about w when we're talking sort of big picture stuff about hunting and fishing mm -hmm. and outdoor recreation in general in Arkansas it's one of the rare industries, let's just use that word, where the flow of money is from urban to rural and not vice versa. Like if we think about like, you know, Northwest Arkansas and Little Rock are our population centers. Everybody's coming here, right? The money's coming from the country to the city. I mean, this is where our restaurants are. I mean, our our, our, our cultural activities like uh, the rep, uh, you, you know, go, go on and on. And, and so... I think that's one of the unique things about hunting and fishing is that money flows the other direction. And it's so important to some of these small communities, like a place like Jasper or Ponca to use a couple of Buffalo River towns. You know, I don't want to cut any of those people out of opportunities, right? By saying, well, we don't need any more people or, right. or, or whatever. But I think the, I think, I guess what I would say is we, we, we need to grow 
the outdoor recreation industry in Arkansas responsibly and uh, sustainably. And we need to involve those communities on the ground floor of the conversation and like, what, what does do it mean want? to you? What do you want? Yeah, you know, that's and I, I think that's I, I think as long as we do that and do it in a sustainable, responsible way, I don't have any problem with it. Uh, let's talk about bait. How do you decide what bait and how if I'm going to just start learning and I'm going to go to a river? Can Is there a place I can go online at the Arkansas game and look up what, what I should be? Absolutely. So we 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 actually just launched a, a new website. It's still agfc.com, but it's got a new look just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it is fantastic. But there's under the fishing tab, there's like places to fish. You just click on there and there's maps and you can like yeah, filter it out with different things. But, you know, w- when you say deciding on it, w- one of the things I would if, if you're new to fishing, we have a lot of other resources at Game and Fish that a lot of people don't know about, uh, such as our nature centers. We've got nine nature centers around the state. And what would you do there? You can go take a class on Fishing 101 oh. or Crappie Fishing 101 or Trout Fishing 101. And they're not like all day classes. It'll be like an hour or two, you know, and mm-hmm. some of them even have hands on stuff where you'll take the rod and reel out to a pond and learn to cast and things like that. But uh, that's if you didn't know anything, that's where I would start and then go to the website places to fish. We also have a family and community fishing program. Uh, and, and, and that unit's really responsibility or job is to kind of bring new people in and they're doing it at like city park ponds, like over here at MacArthur Park. We stock that. Uh, we just started stocking recently during the wintertime rainbow trout. And uh, we stock catfish in the spring and fall. Uh, and where so are you, where are you doing that? At MacArthur Park. We do really? it at Boyle Park. We do it at Rock Creek and the pond at Boyle Park. We do it at Lake uh, uh, Valencia and Maumel. We have uh, three dozen plus locations around the state where we it's do that. trout. And what was the other one? Uh, catfish during the spring and fall. And then uh, trout when it's cold enough in the winter and the trout and people say, well, what happens to the trout when it warms yeah. back up? They all get caught. And it's like we've oh. done tagging studies and th- they're all caught. they're all caught. Isn't that cool? Yeah. All right. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Mr. Trey Reed from the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. We'll ask him about his favorite outdoor recreation and and where we should be deer hunting, duck hunting, quail hunting, and about conservation and cultivation more when we come back. Part of Carrie McCoy Enterprises is OurCornerMarket.com, the perfect online shopping site for everything you need to strengthen your business's image or beautify your home and landscaping. You can browse through products like custom plaques in bronze or aluminum, business signage, address plaques to dress up your home or apartment complex, memorial stones and markers, even for your beloved pets, logo mats, and countless other items. Please visit OurCornerMarket.com today and start shopping. We're speaking today with the likable man's man, Mr. Trey Reed, Chief of Communications for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission and an avid fisherman who has literally bass fished in New York City's Central Park. I recommend going back and listening to the 2018 show where he tells you about it because you're going to want to do it. It's easy. You can do it from the shore. You can get your bait right there. It's pretty fun. But let's talk about deer hunting. It's This is deer season. I didn't know that uh, deer hunting had different uh, times you could hunt depending on the area of the city. I mean, the state. Yeah. It's, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. Well, and and the weapon. Uh, we've got an archery season. It opens the, I think it's usually the fourth Saturday in September, and it goes all the way until February 29th. Yeah. And then we have a muzzleloading season that starts in October. But the big one, modern gun season, is usually the first, uh, actually the second weekend in, in November. And that's the, that's the one, that's where the orange clad army is headed out all over the state. I mean, 300,000 people. Plus clad army in, in the woods Jog, on opening day. Dog t-shirts, the orange clad army. We yeah, should. Yeah. <laughs> we should we should we should trademark that. Yeah. Gosh, you should. The orange clad army of Arkansas. Uh so look, his mind is thinking. <laughs> <laughs> orange clad army. Yeah. Of Arkansas. Yeah. Or, or uh, season. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. But I thought I thought I heard just the other day that certain um, areas of Arkansas had longer gun season. No, than you're, other- you're, you're absolutely right. Like uh, in, in southeastern Arkansas and, and really most of the southern part of the state, you, the season lasts like four plus weeks. Uh, and but but in other areas, it may only last a week 
or a couple of weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. So do we have too many deer this year or not enough? Uh, we probably in that again it varies yeah. uh, but overall as a state we have an abundance of deer we are we 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 yeah. got we got we got lots of deer so let's talk about the chronic wasting disease cdw yeah. what everybody calls it last time there wasn't a good test in 18 when we talked there wasn't a good test that somebody could do in their home can is there a good test anybody Not can do now really there are some better live animal tests now but i mean really the the most effective test still the the, the deer has to be has, has to be dead uh, because and where do you take it? How do you get it tested? Well, so the the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission has a network of over a hundred locations around the state. Uh, it's one hundred percent free; doesn't cost a penny. And uh, how do people go there? Well, so what I would tell them to do is go to agfc.com/cwd for chronic wasting disease. agfc.com/cwd. There's tons of information there that just explains I, I we won't go into all of what it is I, uh -huh. uh, it's a fatal neurological disease caused by a naturally occurring protein it's not a virus it's not a bacteria um if like, I like eat most one disease. of those if i eat one of those animals Un will i go mad no unlikely uh but there were some studies done where you know how these how how scientists do where they forced enough of this CWD uh, tainted meat into a primate, a macaque monkey, that it did get CWD. So the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says, don't eat a deer that's positive for CWD. And but if you, you don't know. You don't know, but that's why we have the testing. Uh, but but look, I went out when we first found it in Arkansas. We went out and talked to a bunch of hunters in Colorado where they've been living with it since the late 1960s. There was one guy, he said he tested every deer he killed. There were the, there were several others like, I've never had one tested and I'm not going to. Uh, and do you eat deer meat? I do. I do. I love venison. You're uh, not scared? No, no, because not at all. Because it could have CW. I was talking to Grady about this before the before the show. By oh, the you way. were? Because I told him I'm not eating deer anymore. After yes. doing this show, I'm like, I'm not eating it anymore. I'm uh, well, here, here's, here's, here's what you can do. And, and honestly, we want people to have their deer tested mainly because it helps us keep track of where the disease might show up, where, where it isn't already. It's primarily in the northwestern quarter of the state, although it was found two seasons ago down on the Louisiana border. Uh, oh, that means it's everywhere. Yeah, but we're testing a lot of animals in other places and it's not. We're not we're not finding it uh, in other places, but we are working. We, we have a network of 100 drop off freezers are kind of self-serve. You, you, you drop the head of a doe with six inches of the neck in a bag. There's like a two part tag. You keep one, leave the other one with that. We'll tell you within two weeks, like, you know, you can go home, debone the meat, whatever, you know, process it. And then within two weeks, we'll notify you, hey, you're, you're good. It's negative. No CWD. If it's a buck, we do have a network of taxidermists because you can't with the antlers. You can't put those in. They don't fit in the bag and yeah. these little free drop off freezers I'm talking about. Uh, so but we have taxidermists that will that will pull a sample for us. We're, we're testing the lymph nodes. And that's why, you know, you're, you're you taking it out of the neck. Yeah. So. Um, so processors. Let's talk about processors. Yeah. So have they started regulating processors? Or, or they just take it or you just take it to anybody and you they can still you can still take your, your your deer to a processor. It's not. So. So here's the thing about CWD. It's not really an issue in the meat itself. It accumulates in the brain, the tonsils, the spinal cord. It, it's really in nerve tissue is where oh. where it accumulates. And so uh, it's not uh, processors are are regulated to to an extent by the department of health and you know depending on what they're doing uh game and fish regulation you have to the, the, there has to be a tag with that meat and so it's like oh if our game warden walks into a meat processing facility every deer or every you know bag or cooler or whatever it's got to have a tag with it he's got to be able to say you know uh gray mccoy shot that deer on this date with a modern weapon or a muzzleloader or whatever well, that's interesting because I think people don't know that. I think people think that a lot that a lot of these big processors are lumping them all together. Now, and I mean, and that's my you, dad used to say that. I, I have heard that over the years, but but no, not. I mean, hey, use a reputable processor and you're going to be fine. But but no, I mean, every and I think that's the everybody wants their deer. That's I mean, right. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't want you to mix in your your. Deer. I don't know right. how you handled it after the harvest. You that's know, right. I don't know if you like. 
you know, left it plus I've in got the warm the, air for too long or plus whatever. Plus I've got a young doe that's going to be tender and I don't yeah. want to, you know, an great, old stag or whatever. Yeah, great point. So dove hunting. You'd like to dove hunt? We've never talked about dove hunting. I do. I did some dove hunting this year. You know, for most Arkansans, me included, dove hunting is like a one or two day thing, yeah. Labor Day weekend. It's right. just a, but, but, but what's great about dove hunting is it's the social aspect of it. It's kind of like, you know, it happens. It's always the first weekend of college football season and high school, I guess. But, uh, and there's sort of the same tailgating atmosphere. You go out, it's the first time you've seen a lot of your hunting buddies since the end of duck season in January the previous year. And you know, it's a social type of hunting. You don't have to be quiet. You can yell. And then there's always a cookout, Bloody Marys, mimosas, whatever, bourbon at the end of the, you know, after uh-huh. the hunt's over. Uh-huh. And so that's i think the joy of dove hunting is the 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 camaraderie the social aspect and that kind of leads into duck hunting because the same goes true holds true for duck hunting yeah a lot of fun at duck camp a lot of fun at duck (laughs) i didn't know uh arkansas was a duck capital of the world we are the duck capital of the world and primarily because we shoot more mallards in arkansas than any other state in the country every year all the hunting culture is strong in arkansas but duck hunting culture it's just i mean we are we are the place to be. I mean, we sell duck stamps. You have to have a, a state duck stamp to, as well as a federal duck stamp to hunt ducks. And we sell them to people from all 50 states and multiple foreign countries every year. Quail in Arkansas. Bob White? You know, uh, quail have seen better days in Arkansas and really across the southeast. They're just uh, changing agricultural practices, uh, changing Forestry practices, a lot of things have have hurt quail. We have, for the past 10 years or so, uh, really put a lot of resources and time and energy into trying to create better quail habitat on on our areas. But this kind of leads me into something new that we're doing. And and, and, and if you want to kind of stick to a theme, I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. But we're <laughs> really trying to work with private landowners more so than we ever have in the past. Ninety percent of Arkansas is privately owned. Ten percent is in public. You know, is we that can, average we, or is that for the southeast? It's pretty common. Now, when you get out west, it's the other. It's ninety percent public and ten. You know, Colorado really? and Wyoming and Montana. Oh. They're almost Bureau of Land Management, Forest Service. Uh, they're 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 huge, huge, huge millions of acres blocks of of public land with much less private land. But uh, it's it's kind of the the reverse in the eastern half of the country. I just read about this because the the New York Times wrote something about turkey populations, and they talked all about all the private land ownership in the South and yeah. stuff like that. And turkeys and quail are kind of in the same boat. They're both ground nesting birds. Right. It's they need certain types of of cover, uh, grass cover, herbaceous cover on the forest floor. Uh, and a lot of our forests are very dense. Look at the Ozarks, and people think, "Oh, that's virgin forest." No, it's not. The it's Ozarks not. were all cleared off in I've the been late reading 19th, all about this, early that 20th century. Understory stuff is all post-colonial. Is so yeah. important. And it's all and about we, that fire stuff because everybody's talking about yeah, it out west. Fire. Yeah. We suppressed fire for essentially a hundred years. Smokey the Bear was way too successful. It was a great marketing campaign too great Mm -hmm. and now we're coming back around and we know we need to intentionally set the woods on fire it eliminates the likelihood of catastrophic wildfires we've been doing a lot of this on on game and fish lands or cooperatively managed lands with the fish and wildlife service the forest service but again we're talking 10 percent of the land mass of arkansas so we're really making we actually had just uh, within the past year established a private lands division. So a whole group. Of, we've always had a network of biologists that would you talked about stocking ponds and we yeah. don't do that. But we will send a guy out if you like, uh, hey, I want to I want to have more deer on my property or I want to see quail on my property or I want to have a better habitat for duck hunting. We've got biologists that will come out. Basically, they're consultants for free. Oh. And we'll tell you, they can also tell you how to work like with federal and state grant programs to kind of offset some of the costs. But we are getting into that. And, and this fits into what you ask about quail, because if we're going to make a difference really with quail and turkeys, both a couple of ground nesting birds, again, that have had a hard time because of changing land use practices. 
we're going to have to do it on private land. So, Are there grants if you want to make your land? All, all, all kinds of stuff that's out there from the federal government as well as some state funded For stuff. For private people? Yes. And we're actually, uh, uh, we tried to work it through the legislature last session, uh, a conservation uh uh, tax credit, uh, but it didn't get off the ground over there. So we're funding it ourselves. It's going to be a, called the Conservation Incentive Program. And we've got, I want to say it's about $13.5 million. And the, no, that's just spread over several different types of programs. Yeah. It's like there's some of it's stream bank stabilization. So how do you find out about those grants? So agfc.com slash habitat. And that'll take you to our private lands page. So the I we're almost finished. So the ivory build woodpecker is it still a thing? You know, uh, it has been a thing lately because that well, so the Fish and Wildlife Service, I think it's been about two years ago now, proposed delisting it and delisting it because it's extinct. And there was still a segment of the birding community that just kind of scream on for dear scream life. bloody murder no you know and it was it was not the there were several birds that were that were going to be delisted or or their status from threatened uh uh, uh endangered whatever ivory is just the most charismatic it, it, it is yeah. it's the largest woodpecker what's you still got the 15? license plate yeah, there may be a few floating around out there that part of the excise tax that no you so that that is uh that's a whole separate program you know there's several specialty license plates in arkansas but yeah. it's one we started about 23 24 years ago now all of the you, you know department of finance and administration gets theirs like they do with any car tag yeah. but the the extra goes into a conservation education fund huh? and it's used for only for educational purposes. So like if you are a school teacher and you want to start a schoolyard habitat, like a butterfly garden, you could apply for a grant from us. While we're on this, I got to throw this in. Everybody thinks that our game wardens, when they write tickets, that that money comes back to Game and Fish. Does it not? It, it does not. It stays in the county where the fine was collected and it can only be used for educational purposes. So like this year, it's administered through the Division of Rural Services. So we we have the, the pot of money, but they kind of handle all the grant applications and reviewing them and all that just because – I think this year it was about $700,000, $750,000, and it's roughly that three-quarters of a million-dollar range every year. So, like, say uh, you're in Pulaski County. Now, we don't necessarily have – it's mostly rural here, right? So, we don't have as many fines. So, But say there's $48,000, and this, this is a hypothetical number, available from fines assessed in Pulaski County last year. If you're a teacher at uh, Little Rock Central or Pulaski Heights Middle School or Horace Mann or wherever – and you want to take your kids on a field trip to one of our nature centers, you can apply for that grant to pay for the the buses or the diesel in the buses. Or if you want to start an archery program at your school or a youth trap shooting program or a butterfly garden. Or Nobody knew that. Whatever, Nobody knows that's, that. So, you know, that is a huge misconception. Everybody yeah. thinks that we're just writing tickets to line and, our pockets yeah. and things like that. And that's not how it works. At that's all. A, I'm glad you explained that to All right. This is not about outdoors but you did write about sports and love sports so what do you think about our Razorback football coach didn't get fired uh you know I, and, and Carrie I was in Cuba during the last two weeks of the last two football games and I but I mean I, it was pretty obvious the direction we were headed so you know I, I didn't hear as much of the chatter that I normally do on talk radio and and all that stuff or talking to my buddies but it was a disappointing season, and I, I, I'm still scratching my head as to why it went the way it did. Of course, we had the big announcement that Bobby Petrino Yay! is coming back. And, I never uh, wanted him fired ever. Uh, and, and so that's uh, it's it's interesting. I'll just say that it's interesting, and uh, uh, I think it's a, a probably going to be good for the football team. I know. All right, <laughs> basketball. 
Who doesn't love Musselman? Oh, I love Eric Musselman, and uh, I'm I'm hoping for great things. We dropped down in our in our ranking, I think, because we haven't won the last few games. But yeah. that's kind of the way he always starts the these games. Musselman teams do seem to start always slow, and I think slow. part of that is a function of sort of the way college athletics is these days, and and more so in basketball because you've got these transfers, you got the transfer portal, all the NIL money, and so you got to kind of figure out these how these parts fit together. He seems to do a really good job of by at least February or so, those parts start to fit together and they start right to work together. Right before March Madness, and he then, pulls and it then, together. And then we make a run into the tournament. Love yeah. it. All right. This is a great place to take a break. We'll continue our conversation with Trey Reed from the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. This is our last break. We'll be right back. Merry Christmas, everybody. And thank you for listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, sponsored by flagandbanner.com where we realize the world's a big place, filled with people of every stripe. But one thing that every society seems to have in common is finding things to celebrate. You know, there's upwards of 130 holidays around the world. Holiday flags are a great way to share your favorite ones with the neighborhood. And right now, there's a holiday flag and banner sale going on at flagandbanner.com. Take a look at everything we've got online, and even if we don't have what you're looking for, you can use our handy quote request to have a flag custom made. Christmas banners, Cinco de Mayo banners, Hanukkah banners, even the rest of the year can be celebrated with Easter, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Fourth of July. We've got it all. Flagandbanner.com. We're speaking today with Mr. Trey Reed, Assistant Chief of Communications for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, editor of Tailfly Fishing Magazine and Strung Sporting Journal, and host of the Wildside Radio Show on 103.7 The Buzz that airs Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time. So, Tailfly Fishing is the only print publication about saltwater fly fishing? It is. That's what you started this show about, saltwater fly fishing. Yeah, you know, you know, kind of keeping with the theme of of of, of what up in your business kind of started out to be and uh-huh. how it is. I'll 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 I think it fits well with this because you, I never set out to become have a side hustle as the editor of a saltwater fly fishing magazine that, you know, uh, it was a it was a, a passion that you know, I've always enjoyed fishing. And, I, you know, you you do the things here. and It's like, well, I want to fish for something bigger or something more challenging in the saltwater. And, you know, I read Jimmy Buffett books and he was <laughs> into it and, and 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 I'd read about it. And so in the like oh seven, my wife and I went on vacation and I, she wanted to go to the beach. And I said, well, I want to go somewhere where I can try this. And I and I did it. And so it was one of these things that I did like once a year or once every other year and usually only for maybe a day or two while as part of a family vacation or my wife and I getting away or whatever. And so about probably about the time that I did your show the first time in 2018, I, I talked to my wife and said, look, I really want to, I want to go down to this place in Mexico where, where we had vacationed frequently and where I saltwater fly fish. I said, but I'm, I'm not going to take you this time. It's going to be a guy's trip. And I, and I really want to, I, I want to fish like hard. I want to fish every day. And so that kind of turned into an annual thing with a group of guys. And I started writing. Uh, well, I had reached out to Tail Fly Fishing. I was just a subscriber and had some friends that read it. And I and I told them I was like, "Hey, I, there's this really cool restaurant there, uh, and this is a town of like 400 people. But this is like this restaurant could have a Michelin star if it was in a city. It's really, really good." Now, where are we? We are in Ixcalac, Mexico. X C A L A K, right down on the Belize border, five and a half hour drive from Cancun. So the the editor of the magazine at the time says, "Well, I want to know about the fishing." I said, "Well, I'm going down in March. This was in like January, February of 2020. Well, I was there." When the world went crazy, when everything shut down, I was oh. there. We 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 were uh, we got there on a Saturday. By Wednesday, our wives were saying you can't buy toilet paper and Clorox and hand sanitizer. Then the schools closed down, and then I think uh, Trump was president at the time. Declared national emergency on Friday the thirteenth. We were in a bar in Tulum, Mexico, and like. Are we going to be able to fly out of Cancun could tomorrow? You, we, did. we did. We, oh. we did. Oh. But of course, everything changed there. So I wrote what I thought was a pretty good story about like that experience. One thing led to another and pu- the publisher and, and uh, 
uh, founder of the magazine, is an emergency room doctor. The other guy was a, a psychiatric nurse practitioner. He just passed his boards. And so he's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Why don't you take over as editor? So that's kind of how it happened. You know, I wanted to find a way to do more of something I love to do. And this was a way for me to do it. Uh, and, you know, even even the job at Game and Fish is uh, some days I get paid to go hunting and fishing. Right. Let's right. just be honest about it. Yeah. And, and there's a lot more to it than that, obviously. You know, somehow, some way over the last 20, 25 years, I've been able to do some things professionally that have allowed me to still pursue passions and, and, and make a few dollars while I'm doing it, you know, side hustle. it, it, it is. And, and, and I think the magazines are, are a great example of that. So how, how do you get these two magazines? Uh, you can, uh, you can subscribe to tail fly fishing by going to tailflyfishing.com or strong and strong is at uh strongmag.com. So, yeah. okay. Winter right now we're, we're doing, um, uh, Trout. trout would be a good thing and to then, fish for then, right now. And then next we're going to do duck. And this is the and deer season's almost over. Yeah, although we'll have the Christmas holiday hunt, the 26th, 27th, and 28th. And then we have a, a private lands doe-only hunt for like the last three days of the year. Then there's a youth gun hunt in January. Oh, Trey, I've enjoyed visiting with you. I always enjoy visiting with you. You're well, so well-spoken. I is, enjoy visiting with you as well. I enjoyed being here. This is your gift. It's a U.S. and an Arkansas flag. Oh, cool. Last time I gave you a... a uh, we a had a duck flag, a decorative duck flag. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, uh, my my oldest granddaughter, Autumn, who will be 16 in March, is a big collector of flags. So we have purchased a couple of here over the years for Christmas presents. But anytime I go out of the country, I bring her back. Do you a buy flag. the small oh, nice. ones or do you buy oh, the no, big no, ones? No, no, you no, get no. the three her, by fives. Her room is lined with flags, like the entire ceiling and walls. Love that. Girls don't usually do that. Boys do that. She we have a, is a flag fiend. Cool. That is so unusual for a female. Love that. I love yeah. that too. And I'm and I want to tell the listeners I'm jealous of you because you're raising both of your granddaughters, which seems like a dream come true. It's to fun. Me. That's oh, fine. so much better probably the second time around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better at it, I think, the second time Absolutely. around. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. They might argue that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this show has was recorded in the hollow walls of the Taborian Hall in Little Rock, Arkansas, and made possible by the good works of flagandbanner.com, our audio engineer and local celeb, Mr. Tom Wood, summa cum laude videographer, Mr. Jonathan Hankins, production manager, my daughter, Miss Megan Pittman, and my co-host, Mr. Grady McCoy IV, a.k.a. Sun Gray, as I call him on the radio. Thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then. Be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio show, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show, contact me, G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple to help you live the American dream.